0: Uh, He has there at Soaring Wings Ranch, uh, very close to us in the Holland area. It's a uh, place that uh, is a home, a permanent home for uh, youth and uh, provides them a Christian atmosphere to grow up in. And, you know, uh, him and his wife Marla started with just a uh, few hundred dollars and a dream and a call of God on their lives to Uh, minister to the special needs of these kids, and certainly he's answered that call. He's going to come in just a minute, and he's going to explain how much God is growing this, and I'm sure he's going to be the first to tell you that he's just an instrument by God in this, but certainly God is using him in powerful ways, him and his wife and the rest of those workers there at Soaring Wings. So would you please welcome Andrew Watson. It is an honor to be here today to share with you about God's faithfulness. Um, Last night, the hospitality that was shown with the meal, I appreciate that. got to talk with Brother John a little bit, and uh, I asked him, I said, Now, are you actually going to give me 45 minutes and a mic? And he looked at me and said, Well, maybe the 45 minutes, but I don't know about a mic. But not only did he give me a mic, I got a brand new... Just out of the bike, box, Mike, and I went in there and I shaped it to my face. So this is the first time that's ever happened whenever I came to go uh, somewhere to speak. But guys, this morning, I stand here a very blessed man. I'm only 36 years old, but some days I feel like I'm about 72 years old. Um, just because of how fast-paced sometimes things get out on the ranch. I wouldn't have it any other way. Honestly, I have seen, I think, more happen in my short lifetime than many have uh, that are twice my age. And it's nothing special about me. It's nothing special about Marla. But the bottom line is, when you answer a call that God gives you, you better be ready to to see him do some great things. You need to put yourself out of the way, and you need to give him the opportunity to work, and that's simply what Marla and I have done with our lives. Um, wanted to share with you uh, a few passages that describe what Soaring Wings is all about. James one twenty seven says, "Religion that our God, our Father accepts, is pure and faultless, is to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted." by the world another passage that i want to uh, look at uh, is found in uh, psalm 27:10 and it says though my father and mother forsake me the lord will receive me another passage that is very near and dear to my heart is found in isaiah 40:30 30, and 31 and it says even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings as eagles. It blows my mind to think that ten years ago, a little over ten years ago, as a senior at UCA, God placed a calling upon my heart, and I simply said, yes. I worked in juvenile probation Uh, I I, I wasn't a I wasn't in juvenile probation I worked in juvenile probation and uh, I I was not in community service I worked with community service and what I saw there literally shaped my life Um, I had a lot of people that were telling me you know if you get in this juvenile probation bit there's a high burnout rate very low pay long hours I don't see you lasting very long in doing something like that because you are such a driven person and um, for whatever reason I felt like I still needed to go in that direction and I'm glad I did I was the first intern at community service and I worked in their day school program and then eventually worked with the caseworkers and at that time what I saw were kids that just simply needed a chance Um, These were kids that came from broken homes, um, drugs, alcoholism, prostitution, you you name it. I began to see it in that little short year that I worked with you and win juvenile probation. And uh, during that time, God just put it in my heart that, you know, if these guys had a positive and a Christian environment to grow up in, the outcome's going to be different. So sitting on a bench in front of the UCA Student Center, I accepted that call and I said God I know that you're placing on my heart to start a children's home and when the timing is right that's what I will do and later on I began to share that dream with Marla and uh, we were dating at that time I had no desire to further my education because I was one of those kids who wasn't even gonna, gonna go to college but as I shared that dream with her I told her I said I want you to you know." Pray about this because we are getting close, and it's not going to be an easy lifestyle. Uh, matter of fact, it's going to be pretty hard. Um, little did we know <laughs> when we got started. But she prayed about it for about two long weeks. It felt like two months. And, and uh, she said, You know, she said, if we continue uh, our relationship and, and we wind up married, there's no question that that's something that I would want to follow. And she said, "God called me a long time ago, you know, as a teenager into missions, but I just didn't really know what it was. I just said that I would, I would go and I would do." And so, after that, God opened up the door for me to go to Mid America Baptist Theological Seminary, and that was very much life changing because they're all about missions. I had I had witnessed to maybe two people in my life uh, was scared to death to witness. Um, and that's one of the core things at Mid-America is you have to go out on the streets and you have to cold turkey, begin to witness. And before I left there, Dr. Gray had taught me how to turn any conversation, any conversation, into a witness. And I got my degree in Christian education with special emphasis with children, because I felt like that's what we were fixing to do, is we were fixing to educate children. About the love of Christ, and not only were those children going to be educated, but I had to be able to teach my staff how to share Christ with those children. So, just for the record, I got out of my master's program before Marla got out of hers, and I actually started later than her. I like to remind her of that many times. But we came back, and uh, we we were married, and um, it's funny how God uses everyday things for his purpose and as we were stuffing wedding invitations I know that there's probably a lot of country music fans that are in this uh, room today and we were flipping through the channels and we came upon the CMA Awards and I guess that would have been back in um, 2000 and the dream that I told Marla about was right there on the CMA Awards the singing group Alabama was being recognized with the mini pearl humanitarian award and one of their favorite charities was a place called Big Oak Ranch, and they showed a little video clip about Big Oak Ranch, and they played that song. "There are angels among us." Well then when you looked up, there were like over a hundred I think it's around a hundred children that were up on that stage that was given Alabama that humanitarian award. And one of their guys spoke, and uh, he was a former child at that ranch and he had furthered his education and at that time was the development director for uh, Big Oak Ranch. And I just lost it. I started bawling, and Marla's like, Are you okay? And, and uh, she might have thought I was getting emotional about stuffing the wedding invitations, but that wasn't it. And I said, You know, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, but that's what I'm talking about. That is what we're going to be doing someday. I had no idea what I said was gonna come tr- exactly true um, we had an opportunity we went to visit Big Oak Ranch and we were just asking them what does it take asking John Crow, what does it take to start a ranch and that visit turned into him offering us the position to come there and be relief house parents and train and so for a year and a half he said I know what you guys are gonna do but I want to invest in you I want you to be relief house parents for us and you can soak everything else in like a sponge before you leave, so for a year and a half that 's what we did. We loved on eighty plus boys. We were in and out of um, nine different homes, and um, we had an opportunity to get to know the staff and the house parents and work with them and learn everything that we possibly could about starting a ranch. Well where the rubber really met the road was when we came back to Arkansas. we had eight hundred dollars in an account and um, we added it up um, when we started looking at land and homes and infrastructure and everything that we needed. And as best we could tell, we needed about $2.1 million to be debt-free. And that's what we committed to be, was debt-free. And again, when God calls you to do something, be obedient and let him do it. And uh, we looked for about nine months for our property. We finally found that property. Um, The only problem was we were $400,000 short of what we needed. We had $30,000 to put down. We needed $400,000. We had signed an option to purchase, and we had 18 months to raise $400,000. We get down to the last month, and we only needed $217,000. That's all we needed. And, of course, the board's looking at me. We're talking, and I'll be honest. We talked about plan B through Z and there's really only one plan and that was plan A and one night I couldn't sleep and uh, I got up and I drafted an email and I sent it to I didn't consult with anybody I just sent it to everybody and when they opened it each person got that fresh email and it just simply said guys we said we were gonna trust God that's what we're gonna do that's what we have to do we're not gonna borrow money we're not gonna come up with any kind of structuring to make this thing happen well, the last week of that month of octa was October two thousand and four um, we or the last week we needed one hundred and fifty thousand dollars so from Tuesday to Friday, that amount went down to only needing fifteen thousand seven hundred and sixty dollars i 'll never forget that amount and uh, I might forget my last name, but for some reason, I can remember numbers and The contractual deadline was on a Saturday, and we knew that the closing hadn't been scheduled, so we knew we had a little bit of time. But we had prayed, Marlon and I had prayed that night, that God would just wipe this thing clean. What a legacy this was going to be for all the kids that came of just how God started this place and how He provides for this place. And so the next morning, Saturday morning, sitting in my recliner, one of the reasons to this day that I still like to keep a cell phone strapped to my side is you never know who's going to call. And uh, I got this call, and it was from uh, some donors that had already given twice, very sacrificially. And they had been on vacation, and when, uh, when they asked how much we had left, they said, Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to what we started on needing for this place. We'll take care of the rest. You just let us know. And uh, when we got the closing schedule, we let, you know, we let them know. When we were going to close, they had their broker overnight a check. And uh, me being young, naive, and never had done a real estate transaction, um, went to go get the cashier's check at the bank. And uh, the the teller looked at me and said, Mr. Watson, I know you're needing a $400,000 cashier's check, but uh, there's only one problem, and it's a pretty big problem. I said, What's that? And they said, Well, all the checks have not cleared yet. It's going to take a few more days for the checks to clear. And God just happened to put the right VP in the right place at the right time. And I, as I talked to that VP, that VP said, I know what you're doing. I know a lot of the people that have gotten behind what you're doing. You will have your check before you leave here today. So all the way to Little Rock, I was looking down at this cashier's check. I was looking up and down, up and down. And I was just thanking God for what was in my lap. And, and I've still got the carbon copy uh, of that check. And we went, we closed. Well, that night, I had a meeting with Mount Vernon and Ola Water guys. And I know I asked them to do something that they had never had asked before. And I said, hey, if I can come up with the materials, will you guys uh, dig and install our water line? We need infrastructure, and we don't have the money for it. And uh, after a rather uh, heated discussion, that board unanimously decided to do that. And the next day I went and I talked to a guy that uh, sold water supply stuff for uh, municipalities and um, he said, "Let me get this straight." he said, "You've got the land and you've got these guys that are willing to put the water in and um, he said, "You've got guys that are willing to do the gravel, guys that are willing to do the road uh, work on that and uh, I'll tell you the story later but You've also got the first home committed, and I said, "Yes, sir." And he goes, "You need water supplies." He said, "I'll provide every one of them." He said, "I'll provide it." I didn't even have to ask the guy. I thought, "Man, Lord, you made that. You made that a lot easier than it than it could have been." And uh, and so I left there, and uh, you know, we got we got started with that, and we had a uh, before the ranch was even paid for. The story that I hadn't told is I was supposed to go and meet with the with a guy named Ross Rideout. Uh, they own right out lumber, and I was just supposed to meet with him for just ten minutes. Just hi, how are you Well, uh, a power outage occurred when I went in his office, and uh, I had him captive. Uh, he kept asking questions. I was watching his body language, and two and a half hours later, I walked out and he he had committed that they would donate all the materials to build uh, our first home for girls and um, Everything that they sold in their Conway store is what they gave uh, to build that home. We already had a group of builders that were going to help and all kinds of other people that were discounting and, and cutting costs on, on the home. And so that one, for all practical purposes, was committed. And then we had a sweet person that um, donated $350,000 for uh, the, the boys' home. And the gist of it was, I, ta- I approached them after I found out about them. Uh, her son had contacted me and said, Hey, you, you might want to talk to my mom. She's looking for something philanthropic to do in memory of my stepdad. He loved ranching, he loved children, and he loved the Lord. And I said, Well, there's a fit right there. And I said, We need another home. And I began to talk with her. And two and a half months later, um, I, I was supposed to call her back if she didn't call me. And she didn't call me back, and I didn't feel like that was a good sign. And I called her and uh, left a message. And about five minutes later, she called back, and um, it seemed like she took forever to spit it out. And she goes, "We've talked about it," and and that "and" just went forever. And she said, "We are going to donate the three hundred fifty thousand to build that home." I just about wrecked my car that day, and. uh We continue to see God provide out there at that place. I am constantly reminded who's in control. Our daily bread, guys, that passage when you talk about give us our day, give us this day our daily bread, it has a whole new meaning for me since I've been doing this. Literally on a daily basis, I'm walking the ranch, and I'm asking God to put soaring wings on people's heart so that our daily bread will be provided for. And he has not missed one time. We have not ever lacked paying a bill. We have not ever lacked providing uh, salaries. We have not ever lacked providing anything that needed to be provided out there. Has it ever been close? Oh, if you could only see sometimes, it's been close. But what's really neat about it is is those times when it's been really close, out of the blue lump sum comes in, big lump sum that covers months. You know, those kind of things happen. And and I get to see that on, on an ongoing basis. And we currently have two more homes under construction. We've got a group of volunteers and um, suppliers, people working together to build home number three. And uh, the felt paper is going on right now. Um, and then... The other home is going to be built in memory of a girl named Whitney Atkinson. Many of you probably know uh, Whitney's family. She tragically passed away in a four-wheeler accident, and they are. Um, this was last year, and they're they're close friends of of ours. And one of the things about Whitney is that she loved the Lord, but she also loved children, and she used to beg her parents adopt She would see these news stories about children that needed to be adopted and uh, before she passed she she kept saying hey mom hey, dad let's go and get that let's go and get that kid that we read that we saw on the news let's go get him let's give him a home and their family wanted to do something in her memory out on the ranch and they wanted to make it big I don't really think that they were thinking that big at that time but I knew whenever I heard that story that that's what needed to happen and so we did this thing last year, and we're doing it again this year called the Ranch Ride, and it was a, a bike ride. And uh, for those of you who don't uh, ride bikes, there's a crazy group of cyclists that like to ride, you know, 34, 54 miles on a bike with a seat that's about that narrow, and they don't think a thing about it. And what happened was there was a lot of guys that rode that raised money, and. Uh, the cranes were very instrumental in that. They're, they're our sponsor there, and that thing raised over a hundred thousand dollars the first year out. And so what we were able to do was we took fifty thousand from the crane ride and put that to kick off the home. I had no idea how quickly the money would come in for that home. Um, her dad ran our half marathon and raised probably forty to fifty thousand somewhere in that range, and so by by. The, by December, we had a hundred and ten thousand dollars, and we still needed two hundred and forty thousand because one home is three hundred and fifty. Um, and we had a, we had some donors anonymously that gave on Christmas Eve the two hundred and forty thousand dollars that was remaining for that home, and we were able to go and tell the Atkinson family that that home would be built uh, very soon and that it would be built you know obviously in her memory and it it was a sad time for them but it was also a time uh, of rejoicing because that home is going to be used as a witnessing tool for the children that come to the ranch um, you know they're they're going to hear that story of how quickly and how tragically whitney passed but they're also going to hear that she knew the lord and that when she closed her eyes she was in eternity with her father. And that's that's what we want. We want our children to ultimately know that they can have a father that will not ever leave them and will not ever reject them. So what do we do on a daily basis? Those are the miracles that have happened, and we continue to see miracles happen uh, financially and financially. Uh, individually out at the ranch but what do we do on a daily basis out there Um, we have house parents in each home a mom and a dad Um, they raise up to eight children uh, in each home Um, we have a boys home we have a girl's home we're fixing to have two of each Um, I I consider one of our uh, specialties being able to take in sibling groups we have several Sets of siblings right now, Uh, one group of four boys right now. And I count that as an honor to be able to keep that many children together, even though uh, if they're brother and sister, they might not get to live in the same home, but they get to see one another on a daily basis. And they get the same kind of training and the same kind of upbringing, even though they are in different homes. But those house parents are there to love them and and I look at it and I go when I have house parents that really love them they're going to do everything that it takes to raise them right and we do things like etiquette training uh because many of our kids they don't they don't know how to set a table they don't know how to sit still at a table they don't know how to ask can i please be excused they don't know how to take a plate wash it off put it in the dishwasher we teach them how to Uh, wash their own clothes we teach them how to maintain a home Um, we teach them how to um, how to have an argument with with somebody the right way rather than the wrong way you know not to let things escalate but sit down and talk things out Um, our parents teach them um, how a godly couple interacts with one another rather than what they're used to seeing you know dad giving mom a back end and vice versa Um, They're greeted with open arms, and and we we love them. We hug them, kiss them on the head at night before they go to bed. We go in, we say prayers with them at night. But we also have a huge asset in that we have uh, a lady named Tracy Taylor that is our counselor. And Tracy not only counsels the children, because as you can imagine, the emotional baggage that these guys come with is heavy years and years and years' worth of therapy that they have to go through, but Tracy is there not only to serve those children but she's also there to teach the house parents how to deal with the emotional issues because we can't be in those homes twenty four seven and just like if your child had a had a emotional issue and you took them to the counselor, well, that counselor is a dual role that counselor counsels a child but he or she also teaches you how to help your child in the home on a day-to-day basis. We also have a lady by the name of Heather Level that is our child care operations director. And what she does is pretty much everything's uh, service-oriented. Things like she does intake, and her and Tracy do intakes together sometimes. But intake, and she also does um, things like prepping kids for independent living. Um, we have a person that comes out and, and does that, but, Tracy, uh, but uh, Heather coordinates that with her. Uh, and independent living is any, anywhere from balancing a checkbook to um, you know running a home to figuring out how to purchase vehicles to figuring out. We had a, a guy come out and talk about the stock market the other day and about investments. We're playing the stock game. Basically, independent living is the, the meat of life. Teaching them life skills, and uh, and Heather also does ACT prep for kids, and they go and do college visits. Because uh, when a kid turns 18, we don't forget about them. Uh, it's our responsibility to follow through, and so we help them to find either vocational training or service or uh, or what college to go to. And uh, I think one of the most important jobs that Heather has is the tutoring. Because as you can imagine, when we have children that come to the ranch, they are behind, and they're behind anywhere from a year to uh, three years. And what we are doing—we just started it really in January, full blown—is um, we are doing one-on-one tutoring. And thank the Lord for UCA, and that there is just an abundance of tutors that we we have to draw from. And um, with that said. Uh, we are planning on building a welcome learning and counseling center that's the next big project that we're doing, and I'm currently working on raising the funding for it and I wanted to provide a place because, as I talked at the dinner last night with different folks, most of them have never been out to the ranch. Well what we're trying to do is to create a uh, a hub, so to speak, of the ranch where people can come and learn more about the ranch. We can do dinners, we can do uh, meetings with some larger groups out there where they can come and learn more about it. And the whole gist of it is is that if they come out and they see it, they're going to be involved. We really do believe that. And um the the learning center and the counseling center, that's the most important element to this facility is because it's going to provide the space and and the room that we need to do the counseling. There's play therapy, art therapy, and and there's a lot to that to those forms of therapy along with just some other therapy rooms. And then the tutoring facility is designed where we can have uh, a large amount of children in there at one time and the the cubicle I, I think they call them carols I call them cubicles but but carols uh, where an adult can sit right beside the kid or two kids if, if need be and uh, and work with them and of course we're working on getting the technology and all those kind of things that we need in that facility as well um, you know we uh we do have an ongoing plan of growth even after this phase. Um, many have asked, well, what, what do you think your capacity will be? Well, we, we set the capacity of that campus of up to 10 homes. And uh, at any given time, that could be as many as 80 children uh, at a time. Who knows if it will happen in my lifetime or not? I may, I may not be the guy to even get us, you know, that far. I don't know. But I just know that God's got me there right now and He's not turning loose on me there. And I'm there as long as He will have me. And the neat thing about Soaring Wings is is regardless of whether I'm there or not, it wasn't built around me, wasn't built around Marla, it was built around God. And uh He's the one in control of that place. And uh if He ever called me away, I would I, I would know that the core is there, the heart of what needs to be. Uh, is there um, ways that you can be involved? That was uh, one of the things that I was asked to uh, to share. Setting out on the table uh, to the left back here, um, I've got some cards out there, and uh, it just says how you can be involved in the mission of Soaring Wings, and it talks about pray, give, and go. And there's some various ways that you can give um, to Soaring Wings. There's some various ways that you can. Uh, pray for us, and there's various things that you can do in going out there and in, in actually serving. Um, I want to talk to you, um, you. You know, I'm not going to come up here and not ask for money. I mean, it's just we have to have that to operate, and we're growing. And one of the things that um, that we were were thinking about the other day was how how few people it would take really to fully fund. Everything out there, as far as operational budget on an ongoing basis, and we looked at it and we realized that five hundred people giving at various levels can pretty much fully fund the direct child care cost that it costs us to take care of a child. You say, how much does it take care how much does it cost you to take care of a child direct, just the direct child care, not the administrative cost, but the direct child care cost? Well it costs us about twelve hundred dollars a month, and that provides Food, clothing, transportation, um, utilities, uh, counseling, house parents that are there 24-7, sports and camps, those kind of things. And when you look at it, it does not take a lot from individuals to make up what we need out there. Literally 500 people giving at various levels can help us to get to where we need to be with these next four with these uh, next two homes and um, this little card right here uh, explains all about it it's called the faithful five hundred and we ask that you please prayerfully consider joining the faithful five hundred and for those of you who are technically inclined, um, if you use smartphones, we got the little barcode on it, and if you decide to do that it's real simple you just click on the barcode and it will take you. Um, to that site where you can sign up, you can do it auto debit, and um, you can manage that your, you know yourself. And it's really easy. It's really simple. Um, one of the other things that I want to talk to you guys about, since you are local, um, is extended families. That to me is one of the most uh, important elements to what we do. You may ask, well, what is an extended family? Well. When you were when you and I were growing up, and we still have these guys in our lives, but when we were growing up, we had grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, and uncles. And I don't know about you, but I got to spend quite a bit of time with my grandparents, and they actually helped to shape me into who I am today. Um, I got to spend time with aunts and uncles as well. Well, a lot of our children that come to the ranch simply do not have that as an option. They don't have family that, they can, that is trustworthy, that they can stay with. They don't have family that will teach them the right values. And unfortunately, many of them uh, don't have a mom and a dad because parental rights get terminated. And so the, when we opened our doors, I started a thing called Extended Families. And I knew that it was a good concept but in the back of my mind I was just kinda wondering is there enough families to do it well I tell you what there is enough families to do it and right now we we have a waiting list of maybe two or three couple people that are above what we need right now but that's not really a comfort zone for me because we need 16 more in a short amount of time uh, when we open these new homes and you, you ask well what's the commitment there well it is a big commitment it's a long-term commitment it's not a six months or a year and I'm done its as long as this child is at the ranch and as long as they need me and so what happens is is once a month on the last weekend typically the last weekend of the month the house parents they need a break and the kids they need a break too they need to be able to go to that aunt or uncle, or that grandfather or grandmother figure, and just get pampered a little bit. And um, so from 5 o'clock on Friday to like 5 o'clock on Sunday, um, one weekend a, a month, and then the week of Christmas, like from Christmas Day at noon to uh, New Year's Day uh, at noon is uh, what we require. And a lot of people are interested in this because they look at it and they they kind of felt like they wanted to do something with the foster care system but decided they didn't want to go that route. Or they might be kind of teeter-tottering on adoption but don't really feel like they need to adopt. Well, this is a way that you can take an active role in the life of a child and really help to shape them. And guys, I think one of the things that has made this successful is that the extended families really are a part of the Soaring Wings family. We communicate with one another. If there's something going on with that child in the home, we communicate that with the extended families, and we ask that the extended families do that as well. And I know that Tracy follows up after every extended family visit with every extended family just to make sure that everything is okay. Communication is key uh, with that. there's a pop. There's a process to go through in applying to be extended family. Of course, there's quite a bit of paperwork, and uh, if you have any felony charges against you, that might that might hinder you from uh, from being an extended family. But we have to take uh, fingerprints and and do pretty much what foster parents would have to uh, a lot of the things that foster parents would have to do in order to be extended families. Um, I will be here uh, after the service, and uh, I'm going to uh, speak to the children after this, but. If anybody has any questions uh, concerning soaring wings and how, how you might be a part or any questions that I have not answered, um, I'll be glad to answer those. But one thing that I just thought about that I didn't share with you um, is um, how do we get our referrals. That's usually one of the number one questions. And one of the, the ways that we get the referrals are either through DHS, will call us if they have children, uh, or it can be a private placement. And this community right here has given us several um, referrals, uh, children that we have been able to serve. And um, the schools, we're we're in the schools, um, you know, the the counselors at at Bologna and at Greenbrier and Conway, all those guys know about us, and and if they see uh, anybody that needs a a home, they can talk to the parents, they can talk to the children before it actually has to, you know, before it has to go to uh, the system. Uh, but that's one thing that we're doing right now. We serve the entire state of Arkansas, so we're just really trying to get the word out about, uh, about Soaring Wings. And uh, I do appreciate you guys allowing me to come today. Brother John, thank you for giving me uh, this time. Thank you for the ministry here at, uh, at First Baptist and the encouragement that you guys uh, are to uh, Soaring Wings and to this community. And uh, without further ado, I will turn this back over to you. Amazing story of God's gracious provision. We're going to stand. We have a prayer. We'll be uh, dismissed for a few moments for intermission. And uh, if you have questions for Andrew? I know he'd love to hear those. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and for each one that's gathered here. We we do thank you for the ministry of Soaring Wings Ranch, and we thank you for the testimony that we've heard today of your gracious provision. We ask, Lord, for your blessings on Andrew as he leads that upon the ministry there. We ask, Lord, that you'd guide us and direct us in our service today. Bless every aspect of it. May it bring honor and glory to you. ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.